Blog Talk Radio. Jake Coker will not be the starter at Alabama. 
Well, I would only agree with that if you could guarantee me that they were getting Braxton Miller to transfer in here. Will be interesting. If that doesn't happen, if Braxton Miller does not transfer in here and someone other than Jake Coker is the quarterback, book your tickets for New Year's Eve in Atlanta for the pitch club. Yeah, no we'll, we'll see what happens with, uh, with uh, the QB situation. Still think there's some variables out there. Uh, but I, I just all I'll say is I don't think it'll be Jake Coker. Well, it'll all play out, I guess. Uh, either way, they'll get the best man out there. Uh, I just think that's just going to be because that's Saban's pattern throughout his history. You always play the guy that's uh, next up. That's just never deviate from that. Uh, even but anyway. All right. Well, that's fine. That's cool. Uh, other positions to watch uh, when a day kicks off Saturday, in your opinion, Drew. Uh, no doubt, wide receiver. I think everybody's going to want to see uh, if Robert Foster continues to uh, progress as he has from one scrimmage to the next, and will he improve from scrimmage two to scrimmage three as uh, nine is having to be replaced? Uh, as good a wide receiver as I think in Crimson Tide history. Uh, also, Ardarius Stewart, Chris Black, uh, Derek Keefe, and I think even Falkins has made some plays this spring. So they've got five guys. And then uh, obviously you'll have Calvin Ridley and Daylon Charlotte coming in, the, in, in May. So uh, anxious to see if this, that unit can continue to perform. Of course, the quarterback and has a lot to do with that. If you can't throw the ball accurately, it's hard to make plays. Uh, even Parker Barino had a very strong scrimmage this past Saturday. So uh, I think you know, it's going to be interesting. I think uh, he's, he's had a solid spring, though he's only going to be a really a special teams guy. But at least he's proven if called upon, he could play in a pinch. But I think they've got some really good depth there. I think O.J. Howard has been – he's never going to be Mark Bavaro. I've said it many times, but uh, he's had a solid spring thus far catching the football and making plays when called upon. So, And then Dakota Ball, I think he's made some progress at being that in-line tight end. Thus far, they haven't used the fullback too much. There's been a lot of ace formation, two tight end sets. And I think, uh, obviously, uh, right now, uh, Dakota would have to be the inline guy, and has done a solid job. Even uh, you know, introduced himself to Reuben Foster in the scrimmage last week. Yep, and uh, another thing to watch it, it's it's starting to really shape up as to who the leaders are for the five spots on the offensive line. We need two, but I think we know the other three now. Uh, I think uh, we the five are have separated themselves somewhat. Um, I think obviously uh, Ryan Kelly and Cameron Robinson were the real McCoys going into spring, and I think. Ross Pierce-Bacher, redshirt freshman from Iowa, and then uh, the redshirt sophomore, uh, Bradley Bozeman. Uh, those are the two guards, left and right guard, respectively. And then Dominic Jackson at right tackle. It's had some issues protecting the passer, but zero issues run blocking. And uh, and if the variables play themselves out at QB, uh, his pass protected, protection issues might not be as big a factor. So we will see, but I think That's Dominic Jackson is going to be – the right the right tackle and uh, I think uh, obviously that that's going to be your five come the fall. And the running back is a, a situation that's kind of banged up right now, but uh, without question, it was it was telling that both Derrick Henry and Kenyon Drake were placed on the white team with the with the first offense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kenyon is going to be very versatile. Was told today that more and more he's reminding Lane Kiffin of a. Uh, of Reggie Bush. He's up at 215 pounds now. 
uh, has not done much in the spring, has been in a black jersey, has scrimmaged, but has not been tackled live for obvious reasons. Trying to get him completely healthy for the fall, but he's going to be moved around to wide receiver some. They will run him some. He's going to be a, a someone, and he, he's going to be on kickoff return. He's going to be someone they're they're just going to try to get the football in his hands. And uh, obviously, Derrick Henry is going to be the the, the bell cow at running back, and then the wild card is going to be how quickly Damian Harris can come in and acclimate himself in May. He's a big time elite talent with the likelihood of. You know, Bo Scarborough could return by mid-October, but if Damian Harris catches on, I don't think they're going to rush Bo back. So, I, and, it, and it's obviously you need to keep King and Drake and Derrick Henry healthy as well. But I think they've got a lot of depth at running back, and I think they're even really happy with uh, Desharius Flowers uh, thus far. Ronnie Clark, not really a natural running back, but I think more and more he will uh, be turned into a, a fullback H-back. Uh, regarding the injury situation, I, I heard Rodney Orr say something a couple of nights ago on, on television that I didn't realize. I, I did realize there was hope of getting Bo Scarborough back in October. I didn't realize, and, and Rodney may join us around 7 tonight if he's done covering Satan's press conference, but I didn't realize, Drew, that they had pretty much ruled Cam Sims out for the year. Yeah, I, I, I to be honest with you, I knew, I figured he would be out for the year, and I think Bo will be out for the year. I'm not counting on either young man. I think we saw what happened when Eddie came back uh, as quickly as he did. Uh, he was never the same. Uh, he's now starting to get comfortable, though he's had to switch positions. Uh, I think he may have lost a half step with the injury, but he can still be an elite safety because he has talent. Uh, I, I think he's actually the missing piece, and we'll talk to William Barger about that at 6 o'clock, but I think uh, he can be the missing piece defensively uh, for the Tide. I think uh, – he can make everything come together. Obviously, Geno Smith uh, could then slide out to Nickelback, uh, but Geno will obviously be suspended in some uh, form or fashion. Uh, we will probably miss multiple games, and so some other guys like Mo Smith are going to have to step up in his absence. But again, I've really liked what I've seen of Eddie Jackson at safety thus far. I felt like that, um, and you and I were both at the scrimmage Saturday. Uh, I felt like Eddie looked pretty smooth at safety, and and I was quite impressed with with the way Mo Smith went about his business out there at the uh, at nickel. Yeah, I think both of them can play. I think Eddie is uh, is really uh, someone that needed to gain his confidence back, and if, as he does so, and as he gets more and more comfortable, I think he'll play better and better. Um, I really have been pleased uh, with what I've seen from the young corners. I mean, I think Marlon Humphrey's improved quite a bit. Um, obviously, I think Coach Saban has been with Anthony Averett, who a lot of people weren't, you know, high on going in the spring. But obviously, he's done some good things because they were able to move Eddie. Uh, and then, obviously, Tony Brown's got to get more consistent. But Tony Brown's an elite talent. I don't think anybody questions that. And then Cyrus Jones, uh, I know he's been the subject of ridicule. But I think a lot of people need to be quiet, especially when they figure out that the young man played all of last year with a torn labrum in his hip and still played as well as he did. He played very that's well. about all that needs to be said. No, that, that's, that's a great point, and, and he will be one of the corners against Wisconsin. The question is who will be the other starter, and I think a pretty good battle is shaping up between Tony Brown and, and Bradley Sylvie for that spot. Well, yeah, I think Bradley Sylvie, I didn't mention him, but he's a senior. He's a solid guy. I think they're going to fight it out. I think Marlon Humphrey – is gonna he can you, you can play either side so I think Marlon Humphrey will be in the mix but the more competition the better it means they're gonna be better players and 
you, that, that's not even including freshmen in the mix like Minka Fitzpatrick and Kendall Sheffield, who are both considered five-star talents. And then, of course, uh, so far, the freak show of the, of the, of the newcomers, he's going to be a first-round pick, in my opinion, and may very well, I think he will be in the starting lineup against Wisconsin uh, come August and uh, the first the last weekend of August. And I think that's Ronnie Harrison. I think he's special. I've said it throughout the recruiting process. Uh, when some uh, there were some people that, uh, just of the opinion he should go to Georgia, he was flirting with Georgia and this and that. But I was like, no, nah, they got to hold on to Ronnie Harrison because he's a big time talent. And luckily, Alabama snatched him out from under Florida State's nose because uh, the, how the Seminoles let him get out of town—that's beyond me. All right, I, I'm going uh, with you, Drew. Uh, we got 18 minutes before before William comes on. Uh, I'm going to with you uh, kind of break down some of the big names on the team that are on the Crimson first and then the flight. Now, the Crimson team is the first defense and the second offense, so obviously the flight is the uh, first offense, second defense. I'm looking at the Crimson roster, uh, and some of these guys are not going to play. Uh, I-, I would assume Jonathan Allen would not play. Uh, yes, he's not going to play. He, and he's, yeah, going, he's, he's, he's listed he's, with the starters. Uh, yes. You know. Uh, Ryan Anderson, I'm thinking, probably won't play. Uh, no, I, you're right. He, he hasn't been playing at all. Tony Brown will. And, and again, this is the starting defense. Uh, Ronnie Clark, uh, he's a running back. Excuse me. We'll get back to him later. Uh, let's see. Uh, Cornwell's on there as the, as the starting quarterback for the Crimson. Uh, so it's Cornwell versus Coker. Basically, I know all five will play, but those two will get the majority of the reps. Um, uh, Denzel Duvall not playing, but he's listed with the starting defense. And even, you know, the guys that aren't playing, they're still symbolically put over there if they're considered starters. Um, let's see. You have Reuben Foster. So it looks like as of now uh, that he's the starting will. Uh, you have, uh, let's see, Adam Griffiths over there. Of course, we know he's a kicker. But Adam will probably end up kicking for both teams, truth be told. Um, let's see. You have, well, Gunnar Rayburn could see some action. Maybe, yeah, maybe, but I mean, I don't think he'll see a ton. Um, let's see. Going on now, oh, Cyrus Jones, although injured, he's still on the starting team. Eddie Jackson, so probably Eddie's one of the safeties uh, yes. coming Saturday with the starters. Um, let's see. Darren Lake is on there. That's a little bit of a surprise because to me, he's the backup nose guard, but they got him with the ones for Saturday. Uh, no, he's going to start. It's a, what, I, what I've seen in the two scrimmages, and, of course, he won't be on the field for a ton of snaps, but it, when they go with the nose, it's going to be like uh, they'll have the, – the two ends will be Sean and Reed. But, uh, well, I don't think going to play Saturday either. No, but he's not going to play. I'm just saying with the first group. But, okay, uh, yeah. But, uh, but well, no, I think no, the first Ashawn's group, all the injuries happen, I think the first group was either Sean or Reed at nose, the other one at the end, and then uh, – uh, in Allen, but uh, they got so much depth there, it's hard to kind of figure it out. So some of it's personnel based. Uh, Eddie Jackson was head safety. Uh, let's see, uh, Dylan Lee, he's listed yeah. once, although you know, at the Sam linebacker, and I know he played a lot of inside, but that's because they were resting Reggie after the first few series Saturday. But Dylan's really the, the Sam, and, and the Sam doesn't play that much, but when it does play Saturday, it'll be him. Um, Let's see. You know, another thing about these rosters that came out today, Drew, 
they're dramatically different than what we were handed the scrimmage Saturday. A lot of walk-ons, we didn't know who they are. We now can tell who they are. Uh, yeah. We'll get to that later. Uh, I, want to, I want to talk about one in particular because it's a little bitty guy, and he took a pounding, but he showed a lot of guts. Nice wanderers with him as the starting H. That's not really a, su- a surprise. Reggie Ragland, of course. Jaron Reed, of course. Ashawn, although he won't play, he's listed with the starters. Um, Sylvie is, as we talked about. Maurice Smith is. Maurice is, is, is settling into the nickel job. And Gino is listed with the starters as well. Uh, so Ronnie Harrison will be with the twos Saturday. I don't disagree with you, Drew, that he'll probably start against Wisconsin. But a lot of that is, is the fact that, that you're probably going to see a, about a two-game suspension for Gino, maybe three. But I think that'll get Ronnie in the starting lineup at least two or three games. Uh, Dalvin Thomason's with the ones, as he was a lot Saturday. Uh, yes. Might not have been if, if some guys were healthy, but he but he is and he was. Uh, Tim Williams with the ones. So um, that, that kind of lets you know. Now, now move on to the whites. Um, I'm a, Anthony Averick, uh I thought he acquitted himself well with Marlin as a second corner. He's with the twos on the white team. So uh, mm-hmm. starting corners for the whites will be Humphrey and Avery. Uh, Dakota Ball, uh, who will run with the ones in the fall a lot as a blocker, is going to be the starting tight end for the twos. Uh, Chris Black uh, is uh, – I'm sorry, he's the starting tight end for the ones. This is mm-hmm. the one offense on the whites. So yeah, then we run a lot of two tight ones. ends again. Chris Black will be with the ones. Bradley Bozeman with the ones. Jake Coker, as we mentioned. Um, and uh, these, these are starting offensive players. Kenyon Drake. Uh, now, Rashawn Evans is with the two Saturday. I'm a little surprised at that, uh, but it might be just a, a nod to the fact that Dylan Lee is a senior. Um, Rob Foster with the ones on offense. Josh Frazier with the twos. I thought Josh looked pretty good. He got a lot of time Saturday, Drew, both at end and nose. Yes. Uh, he's a good young player, and he can, he's, a, he's even a nose with some pass rush potential. Uh, Sean Dion Hamilton will be with the twos. He spent a lot of time this spring with the ones, but it, it looks like, at least for now, Drew, that Ruben has edged him out. For now. Yeah, for now. Uh, he's Ruben has come on uh, the last two weeks. I think he's done a good job of being fundamentally sound. He has avoided the injury bug. He had a nice diving interception uh, last week. So I, I think – Honestly, it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, how if he, how he continues to progress. But Ruben still has a lot of ability, and I think a lot of people are rooting for him because they are. he has been patient, and hopefully he's uh, finally uh, made the necessary improvements both mentally and physically to, to be a factor. Sean Hand is with the twos, but he's going to play a lot this fall. Trust me, folks. Ronnie Harrison's with the twos Saturday, but as we covered earlier, there's a strong chance he'll start at least a few games while Geno's suspended. Uh, all that will be announced late in the fall, late in August. Derrick Henry, of course, with the ones. That's a no-brainer. Keith Holcomb, I thought it's, it's really starting to come along a little bit at middle linebacker. He'll be running the second defense Saturday, Drew. Yeah, Keith has had a good spring. He also had a pick last week of, of Blake Barnett. I really like his potential. He had to get bigger and stronger and, uh, you know, improve his, you know, mental retention as a red shirt during his red shirt season. But, and he also uh, has to he, – he's a young guy who – a lot of people would root for as well. He's a type 1 diabetic, but he manages it so well. And he's someone that I think I, I really liked as a sleeper in the recru- during the recruiting process that he was undervalued, and I think he'll be a really solid player for the time. I'd say a more athletic Corey Reamer. Yeah, and an, and, and an inside backer. Uh, I was a little surprised that they moved him to the mic, but I think they like the, the, the fact that he might could run the defense for the next couple of years. 
Uh, we're still talking about the Crimson team, which is first offense, second defense. O.J. Howard uh, and Dakota Ball both will be there at tight end. Marlon Humphrey will be starting one of the corners Saturday. Dom Jackson at the tackle. Uh, I'm kind of uh, skipping over. Oh, Hootie Jones will be with the twos. At, uh, don't know if he'll be one of the starting safety of the twos, but he'll play a lot. I think he will be probably starting with Ronnie uh, Saturday. Um, Walker Jones is with the twos. And he's uh, also starting to come on a little bit in the inside linebacker situation. Uh, of course, Ryan Kelly with the, with the ones on offense. This is the Crimson thing we're talking about now. We've already covered the white. Uh, Cole Miles was listed Crimson, but we I think we both know he'll snap for both teams. Christian Miller with the twos. I thought Christian has really come along at outside linebacker group. Yeah, he really has. He's finally gained some weight. He, was, he had two sacks last week. He's got really good length, long arms. Dad, Corey Miller, played for the Minnesota Vikings, so he understands uh, football, has a high football IQ. Also, his dad played for South Carolina, and he understands leverage. He under, he just he's someone that I, I, I everybody knows how much I love lineage, and I just think overall Christian Miller is going to be a tremendous pass rusher this year. He will grow into being a, a great all-around football player, but I look for him to be a, a big-time factor on third down. Well, apples are crimson. They don't fall far from the tree. You make a great point. <laughs> uh, Alan Morris will be the backup quarterback for the uh, for this team, the red team. Um now, uh, Ross Pierce-Blocker, who's had a really good spring, will be at one of the guards, Drew. This is a guy that we all thought would be a backup tackle this coming year. Turns out it's a strong chance to be a starting guard. No doubt. Uh, he's taking advantage of the absence of Grant Hill, who is not enrolled in school at this moment and does not look to be on the team this fall. Uh, if he just you know works through his medical uh, issues and decides whether to come back to the football team in 2016, but the Ross Piercebacher has uh, taken the bull by the horn, so to speak, and uh, used his red shirt year to his advantage. And I think he is. There's a very good chance he's going to be the left guard this season. Uh, also running with the second defense this weekend will be Jabril Washington. Uh, I don't know how they're going to use him Saturday. I think his eventual role, if if he has a main role, will, will be as a dime. Yeah, as a nickel and a dime guy, mainly a dime. Uh, but I think he'll mostly be a, a core special teams player but you never know how guys are going to get banged up. And the one thing with uh, Jabril, he seems to be a smart young man who has the defense down, so they will definitely look to him in the nickel and dime rolls. Uh, Ardari Stewart will run with the twos. Uh, this is just an effort to give him a lot of reps. I understand that. Uh, he's part of the four-man rotation uh, when, when they start playing real games. Uh, Cam Sims is listed, although he's not playing. He's listed with the twos. Uh, yes. That's an interesting situation. Cam Robinson, uh uh, you know he's with the uh, he's with the ones, of course, and uh, so that's kind of how things shake out. Uh, you know, Drew, they <laughs> they do this to us every year, and uh, we go to these scrimmages and they give us these rosters that are not complete. Uh, right. And when I say not complete, they don't include the very newest batch of walk-ons, yeah. uh, the guys that were never on any roster this past fall, but they were out there on the scout team. And now in the spring, we finally on A-Day come to find out who some of them are. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I was watching the scrimmage, everybody around me was trying to figure out who this little bitty running back was, number 29, uh, that was running with the third, the third guy. They had a couple of series where it was threes versus threes. And I was, like, looking at other numbers. I was trying to figure out if it was a converted receiver. But, no, it was just a guy that we didn't have a name on. Now we know 
that little number 29, who was running with the threes at running back when they did three versus three, is a gentleman I never heard of him, Drew, I'll admit it, but he, he was on the team in the fall. He'll play some Saturday when they do the three versus three sets. Brandon Turner, 5'9", 165 from John Carroll. I had no clue who this guy was, and he got, I'll bet you, 10 carries Saturday. Yeah, he had quite a few. I think he even caught a screen pass or two. Uh, they used the walk-on backs quite a bit because, as you know, you expected Derrick Henry and King and Drake only had a few touches apiece. And then that left, uh, obviously, uh, Desharius Flowers and Ronnie Clark. Uh, poor Ronnie, he was running behind the twos and the threes most of the time and had 17 carries for 29 yards. But uh, it was a little bit of a, a rough go. But you knew that they were going to give the walk-ons a uh, uh, a lot of reps carry. It just made a lot of sense that they would do that. And the one, another one, a lot of people were talking about. He made a couple of plays, was, and he's been on the team. People kind of knew who he was already. But Lawrence, and I'll butcher it, but Eric Oshima, yeah, uh, sophomore from Simpsonville, South Carolina, Clinton High School. He right. got a lot of reps as well. Five seven one seventy five got injured in a uh, August scrimmage that we that we were attending, and has uh, now bounced back from that. Um, and let, before we bring on, like we got about five more minutes. Before we bring our first guest on, from a specialty point of view, uh, we, we all knew what J.K. Scott could do. He continued to kill the ball Saturday. That was not a shock. Yeah. I was actually – I know he missed from 52 and 55, but I was actually happy with the way Adam Griffith hit everything else Saturday, Drew. Yeah, the two 30-plus yarders he boomed. One of them almost went out of the stadium. Uh, obviously, the 50-yarder he did hit, it, it wasn't high off the ground carry, but it was a missile. <laughs> And it was yeah. good from about five yards, uh, by five, excuse me, by five yards. Uh, I thought he kicked the ball. I thought he kicked off well. I thought he handled himself. And he made all the kicks and extra points, and they were all the short variety in the first scrimmage from what I was told. So I think he's had a solid spring thus far, and obviously he has. Coach Saban was bragging on him. And what more can you say? Cole Mazza, Mr. Consistency, and J.K. Yes. Scott is a machine. Yes, and, and uh, another good job of holding by Cooper Bateman. Yeah. Uh, I think psychologically, Drew, one of the reasons, uh, and I'm not trying to put words in the coach's mouth, but I'm just saying having been a, a high school player, I think one of the reasons that they gave Cooper some reps this spring at wide receiver was, of course, to see if he could help him there, but also to kind of let him know that, that he's wanted and, and to keep him excited about being there. Because I can tell you firsthand from speaking to Adam Griffith in New Orleans, Louisiana, two days before the Sugar Bowl, uh, that is his holder, and that is who he wants to be with him the next two years. And I think Alabama will do everything they can to keep Cooper Bateman happy. Well, he's a great athlete. Uh, I do think a couple of the Q- QBs will leave. Uh, I would not be shocked if that happened. Um, I, you know, Bateman could be one of those guys. Personally, I hope not. I do think he's a great holder. I do think – and they have depth at wide receiver, carry. But I do think the young guy could be developed as a receiver. Um, I, and I, you could you could run gadget plays with him. Uh, obviously, it would be kind of a giveaway if he's in the game. But you don't necessarily have to run the gadget play every time. But I do think, think he, about it. I mean, yeah, exactly. And I, he runs in the four sixes, for high four fives. Uh, has a good arm, but I just don't think it's accurate enough to be a quarterback. But can do other things. And to me, the other two quarterbacks that should move on are obvious. Though one, when you're going into your senior season, that's tough. He may just finish his education. But, again, it's it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. But Cooper Bateman does have value and is versatile. I, I, I agree. Yeah. 
And, you know, <laughs> we spent about 25 minutes there breaking the roster down. You dropped a couple of hints. Are, are you hearing something about Braxton Miller from Ohio State? Well, you know, I, there's there's a lot of things floating out there, Kerry. Um, uh, and, you know, I, I think it's going to be a very interesting two weeks, and I'll just leave it at that. Two weeks? Because doesn't he have to finish up like in May at Ohio State before he can make a move? He graduates May the 10th. Okay. Well, it does sound like you're hearing something, and that would be a very unique situation. Don't know what his injury situation is or how he'd be able to throw the ball, but, uh, you know, if he ends up on your doorstep, obviously you got to take him. I've also heard that Florida State's uh, a point of interest for him, but uh, I guess we'll see. But it just kind of sounded like by a couple of hints you dropped that Alabama might be in the mix. If You know, if you can share anything else, that's great. If not, I understand. Yeah, it's just one of those things where there's some there's a lot of things going on, and I think they, they the less said the better in a lot of situ in this situation. But uh, let's just use a Avery Johnson term and buckle up. <laughs> well, that's 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 fine with me. Uh, you know, it, <laughs> you just wonder how it would affect team chemistry. But I guess we both know it's it's all about the W's. It's and, all uh, about the W's, brother. It's all I'm about saying. winning. It is, it is, and if that's the difference in uh, in uh, going down to Jordan Hare and, and whooping that ass, then so be it. <laughs> exactly, and uh, it's it's it, or having a the the distinct op, yeah, probability probability you could lose three or four games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it it could be. Uh, I don't know. You know, we we said things like this when McElroy took over, and they ended up winning it all. So. This is going to be, Drew, a very salty defense. So even if you don't get Braxton Miller, if you can just get one of the other guys, whether it's Coker, a reasonably good game manager, because you don't really have an Amari Cooper on this team. But Rob Foster's turned a lot of uh, heads this spring, and I think he's going to turn some Saturday. Uh, there's no hiding his talent. Uh, but my point is, if you can get a reasonably good game manager – I think this is going to be one of the saltier defenses that, that Saban and Kirby have had. Well, it is. It's going to be a very good defense. But I will say this beyond a shadow of a doubt. I've seen the springs of uh, throughout Nick Saban's entirety. And as of this time, because last year Blake Sims had two very good scrimmages until um, until uh, the A-Day game. But as of this time, there's no comparison with Greg McElroy and uh, – and Jake Coker. It's a million miles, and unfortunately, I think the two freshman quarterbacks are very, very talented, but they're not ready either, and so if you've got another card to play, you need to play it. Well, and they may they may have that, that chance, uh, and if they didn't, you know, like you said, buckle up, and talking about basketball, uh, in, in between William and hopefully Rodney, we will cover, uh, we'll say from about 6.30 to 7 tonight, we'll cover a whole lot of aspects of uh, basketball recruiting and basketball assistant coach recruiting and just the team, the way the team is shaping up with the transfers, we will get to that. Uh, trust me, we will not ignore that situation. That's one of the things BAMS Radio does is we cover more than just football. And uh, I want to remind anybody that might be listening live tonight that you can call us on the uh, Big Heads Barbecue Hotline. Looking forward to seeing Big Head Chuck at the BAMS tent. Uh, weather permitting Saturday. I'm, I'm kind of uh, getting mixed reports about the weather, but I'm holding out hope it'll be good, and that means good barbecue. And uh, you can call us on the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline at 714-510-3707. 
like we are hoping William Barger will do in the next couple of minutes. Hopefully he understands he has to call up. I think he does. Uh, but speaking of calling, you can call Chuck Peak and get a quote on a catering job from Big Heads Barbecue at his cell number, 251-379-0094. Uh, again, if you're writing it down, 251-379-0094. And uh, he caters things like barbecue ribs, pork, chicken, uh, briskets. He's got his own homemade sauce, which is awesome. And he's got his signature dish, which I'll be looking forward to consuming, hopefully, this Saturday, which is called a triple threat. And that's a piece of pork uh, wrapped in bacon with a tiny piece of sausage in the middle. And you take that and you drizzle it with, Chuck says to eat it without the sauce, but I love the sauce so much I put it on there anyway. And he's also got uh, a lot of good side items. You know, uh, he's got slaw, he's got potato salad, that kind of stuff. He's got a dessert menu. Uh, you can check him out on the web, too, at uh, bigheadbbq.net. Um, and uh, you can also call us and ask questions. Uh, again, the number to talk to Drew and I and Thomas is 714-510-3707. That's if you're listening live between 530 and 730 Central. And uh, just a, a kind of a housekeeping note, we are hoping in the very near future, near future perhaps as early as next week, to go back to our original hours of uh, 7 to 9, that's uh, something that our our main sponsor and the founder of this show, uh, Greg Bird Calhoun, is working with Blog Talk Radio. And, uh, but that being said, we're going to go ahead and uh, bring on our first guest of the evening at three minutes after the hour. And, Drew, I will let you do the honors of introducing him. Absolutely. Uh, this is, he's been a multiple-time caller and contributor to BAMS Radio, great friend of this program, and it is connected when it comes to Alabama football as there is uh, that you can find. And he's uh, my partner on Alabama Intel, and that's William Redfish Barger is now set to join us on BAMS Radio tonight. William, how are you tonight? I'm doing okay, Drew. I was just wondering, since y'all are looking to make improvements in the, the blog talk radio show, can y'all get a female that answers the phone on that recording that speaks English. <laughs> oh, Lord, yeah, I wish we could, man. It would be better, I think. Uh, but, I'm just messing uh, with you, man. I'm doing great. How, how are you and Carrie yeah, doing? I, I, uh, doing pretty good, man. We, we, I, we, we, we do wish, but maybe we could get Heather Thomas to record something. Or maybe Thomas is your girlfriend to help us out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Whoa. Thomas is whoa, now. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, Wait a minute. Hit the rewind button there for a second. Okay. Thomas' new girlfriend can help us out. Ashley won't give the last name, but she yeah, won't. Well, Tommy, I, I, I just want that on the record. Why not? I want, I want that on the record that Carrie Clark said that, not Will Barger. <laughs> Will Barger came up with a female idea. Carrie Clark just named the name. Yeah, Carrie Clark. It's called Teamwork, Drew. You've got to try it sometime. I understand. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Well, William, I, I know you you obviously have been talking to, to people throughout the spring, and you obviously have some news today. You also talked to a source close to the football team to, to kind of gauge where the team is as of this moment. And you could uh, just kind of tell our listeners uh, the scoop you picked up today. Well, you know, that's, you know, I think one of the things that, that anybody in this business, you know, should, should try and do is, you know, you want to have – you know, sources that are, you know, at, at the coaching staff level, some sources that are actually, you know, current players on the team. 
Um, you know, I think if you can, you know, get input from from two different levels, and, and you know, you, you get a, you know, an, an you know input from a you know a forty five year old coach on the staff, and also a you know a twenty one year old kid that's on the team. It, it's interesting to see. Um, you know, sometime the you know the truth is somewhere in the middle, but um, you know there, there's a lot of excitement, but there's a lot of uh, positive energy, and and you know when you when you look back a couple of weeks ago, you know in that that dark week that Alabama had with the you know the Jonathan Taylor episode, and then you know Geno Smith getting the DUI, um, you know things looked like they were you know kind of heading south in a hurry, and uh, you know I think this team is really you know, kind of circled the wagon, so to speak. Um, right. You know, some of the things that I was told today from, from the team level, uh, you know, there's a, you know, kind of an alpha group that's emerged in, in, in this team, and it's it's on the defensive line. Um, they, they kind of set the tone and the tempo for the whole team. Um, I think everybody's already familiar with, uh, you know, the, the elite talent that's in that bunch, you know, not just on the – you know the three or four guys that start, but but also some of the guys that, that fill in as backups. Um, you know when, when you ask the question, uh, you know who's been the biggest surprise at spring practice? Um, you know it's a unanimous answer from everybody that I've talked to, and that's Ronnie Harrison. Um, you know, albeit he's an, an early enrollee, uh, but he's six foot three, two hundred and twenty pounds, runs like a deer. Um, has a lot of range back there at the safety spot, you know, kind of in the same uh, breath as a, as a, you know, Hassan Clinton Dix. Um, yeah. He's really gotten a lot of, you know, positive reviews from the upperclassmen and the veterans on that defense. Um, you know, I wish the uh, the scuttlebutt was just as positive about the quarterback situation, but it's not. Um, you know, it's the same thing that that's you know i've heard all spring long um you know that they really struggle um and without naming names i think you could say this about all five of them um they seem to really struggle you know piecing together um you know back-to-back practices where you know they they seem to have a grasp of the offense and they're productive um you know it sounds like all of them you know flash at times and regress and you know, they have a good scrimmage and come back the next day and, and you know, kind of take a step backwards. So that's certainly, uh, you know, something to watch Saturday. And I expect, it, uh, you know, an up-and-down performance, um, no matter who's, you know, taking the ball from center on Saturday from the quarterback position. But, um, you know, the, the other guy that, that everybody mentions, um, you know, who's not allowed to, to be hit this spring, they're, they're protecting him. Um, for the Wisconsin games is Kenyon Drake. Um, you know, he is referred to uh, every day in practice by Lane Kiffin as Reggie Bush. Um, and I think that's kind of a, a fair label to put on the kid. You know, he's a, a hybrid running back wide receiver. He's just as dangerous at either spot. Um, you know, Derek Henry, um, you know, is another one that's been singled out as, as having a great spring. Um, you know, he's he's getting close to 250 pounds. Um, you know, when I'm told that, I ask the question, has he lost a step? And, you know, the answer is immediate no. If you let the guy get more than two steps on you, he's either going to run over you or run past you. 
Um, you know, as far as the offensive line is concerned, um, a lot of positive vibes surrounding that position group. Um, you know, when I asked the question, you know, who is the uh, the most feared guy at that position, and the same answer comes back every time, Dominic Jackson, he's a guy, if he gets his hands on you, run block, and he can hurt you and beat you up. Um, so, you know, there, there's a lot of, of positive things, um, you know, despite the uncertainty at quarterback. Um, you know, the players seem to be really impressed um, with the work as a position coach and also as a, you know, a go-to guy for, for all the players on the team, specifically on the defensive side of the football. They all have positive things to say about uh, Mel Tucker, the new DB's coach. Um, he, he has really made an impact moving, you know, players' um, practice habits, um, their production on the field. He seems to have had a real big positive impact on Lee Brown, um, you know, who was an up-and-down performer last year as a true freshman trying to survive at cornerback in the SEC. So I, I've really been, um, you know, very pleased and, and impressed with, um, you know, despite the negative publicity with those two, you know, disciplinary incidents um, a couple of weeks ago. I've been impressed with um, where this team is right now. And I think, you know, Alabama fans, despite what you see Saturday, you know, specifically at the quarterback position, you know, I think everybody needs to take a, a deep breath and take a step back and remember how disappointed and disgruntled everybody was with the quarterback position a year ago at the 8 day game. And, you know, that, that ended up having a pretty happy ending, in my opinion. Um, you know, despite the loss to Ohio State and the Sugar Bowl, that was a pretty nice season for, for an Alabama football team last year. No doubt about it. William, I wanted to ask you a uh, recruiting question because a lot of people are trying to gauge who the next commitment might be. And I know that one of the happiest people in the recruiting profession and the Alabama Nation is Drew DeArmond today because a young man from Florence High School, a linebacker by the name of Errol Thomas, they call him E, got an offer. And uh, it appears that Alabama has immediately gone to the top of his list and I'm wondering just a couple things, William. What do you think about Errol Thomas as a player and about how long it might be before he actually commits? He just dropped, actually. Okay, we'll, we'll get him back. Drew, why don't you pick that one up? <laughs> well, E. Thompson is one of my favorites. Uh, saw him two or three times last year, and the la- my last impression was a lasting one and that was uh, the, the, the playoff victory in the second round over the Shades Valley Mounties. I thought he was completely dominant. I thought he reminded me of Courtney Upshaw. He arrived with bad intentions. He was knocking people out the entire game. He made more plays that night than Keaton Anderson, whose job was to shadow, obviously, one of another one of Kerry and I's favorites, uh, who, is a, who, in my opinion, will be a steal for Mississippi State. But uh, obviously, you know, and Keith Mixon. But I think E. Thompson, to me, I'll, it's been laughable because he's been ranked a three-star, uh, you know, outside the top 20 in the state of Alabama, which I think is just uh, mind-numbing. They're not—I don't know what film they're watching, but uh, I think he's a top 15 player in state, probably top 10. And I know William 
is very high on he is is a is a prospect as well has been very impressed uh with his uh, uh film and, and now w- William is back with us and William what uh Kerry was asking about was he was asking about the offer today to Errol Thompson of Florence by Alabama and what you thought of him as a prospect. Yeah, I apologize for that. That was my fault that I got disconnected. My uh this is my first go around with a smartphone and being a uh technology <laughs> idiot. My phone my phone is now sitting on the passenger seat where I can't hang up on y'all again. Um, you know, Kerry, okay. I, I had a question, you know, posed to, you know, Drew and I this afternoon on the website before I left work. And, you know, somebody asked the question, is this a committable offer? And my response was immediate, fast. If it's not, then the evaluators need to be evaluated. Um, I think this kid is, you know, vastly underrated. Um, he's one of my favorite kind of prospects because he, you know, when when you look at him and you try and project where he's going to fit in at Alabama, there's, you know, three or four different positions he could end up playing. You know, he could play fullback. He could play H-back. You know, he might grow into a tight end. I personally like his skill set on the other side of the ball. Um, you know, he's a guy that could play jack linebacker. He probably, you know, based on his, his body type, um, I think the Courtney Upshaw, uh, comparison is is probably pretty on on spot. Uh, maybe even a, a Ryan Anderson type body type. You know, does he does he stay at Jack linebacker or does he become a defensive end? I really don't care uh, because I think he's such a, a violent football player. Um, you know, when you watch him on film, when he when he gets to the you know the point of attack, he arrives in a violent fashion and, and creates havoc when he gets there. Um, you know, this is a kid, and I try and tell people all the time that, that not every great football player um, has perfect measurables. And, you know, when you look at Enroll's height, you know, it doesn't fit into the Nick Saban 6'3", 6'4", range. Um, you know, he's kind of on the short end of the, the spectrum from a height standpoint. But But at the end of the day, man, you know, when you're recruiting football players at the college level coming out of high school, um, it, it's my opinion that how productive somebody is when you're watching that film, uh, you know, at times you have to let that override their lack of measurables. And that's what you see uh, when you turn on the film with Enroll Thompson. I think he's a fantastic football player. Um, you know, he was overshadowed a little bit last year because of Keaton Anderson. But I, I could probably, you know, piece together, you know, 10 clips of video and, and could, could point out that he might have been a better prospect last year than Keaton Anderson was. Um, I think the young man's got a bright future. Um, I hope Alabama, you know, doesn't drag their feet. You know, I hope this isn't one of those deals where they've told the kid, hey, you've got to come to camp and and earn the committable offer. To me, this is a guy that, that should have a committable offer on the table right now. Yeah, I agree with William, and I know William will remember we had Keaton Anderson on uh, our Intel radio show, and he basically was bragging on E. And E is another kind of one of the reasons he wasn't as highly rated as he should have been. Is he's only played one year of defense. He was a running back uh, for the first year and a half or so of his career, and then tore his ACL. Came back last year, a bigger pro, a bigger kid, put on weight, and they moved him to defense. And he just started getting comfortable last year playing with it, you know, uh, on the defensive side of the football, but. 
Uh, he's a violent prospect, like William said. He hits. And all I'll say is, based upon what I was told today by someone that spoke to E, is that Alabama is in very, very good position with Mr. Thompson. Well, and I heard yeah, you know, after I, to that. Well, I, mean, I heard what Drew was saying after I got reconnected with you guys, um, you know, about him being graded three-star and, you know, well, what are these people looking at that, that, that rank these kids? You know, once you get past the Marlon Davidsons, the Ben Davises, um, you know, the, the Lindell Wilsons, you know, I, last last time I saw it, I think people had, uh, you know, enroll rated like 32, 34, 35, somewhere in that range in the state of Alabama. And I can promise you there's not 25 or, or 30 players in the state of Alabama this year that are a better football player than he is. You know, speaking of Davidson and also of Mac Wilson, uh, as of about four hours ago, I, I was unable to find any information on where they plan to be Saturday. Do y'all, either of y'all know? Yeah, Mar- Marlon yeah. Davidson has already committed to go to Auburn for their A-Day. Um, you know, Lindell Wilson has not committed to go to either school. You know, the ACT is going to be administered Saturday. Um, that might be my first, you know, shot in the dark about what may be keeping him from not going to either place. Um, that being said, Alabama's in great shape with Lindell Wilson. I don't think anybody should, you know, read much into, you know, where he goes this weekend to watch a spring football game if he ends up going anywhere. Um, you know, Marlon Davidson, on the other hand, that, that was a huge blow, um, you know, to Alabama's efforts, in my opinion, when he left Carver High School and moved back in with his aunt in Greenville. Um, he had a lot of you know, positive Alabama influences around him when he was at Carver, Lindell Wilson being one of them. And, and you know, of course, uh, you know, Auburn hiring his half-brother, Kenneth Carter, on their staff, uh, you know, certainly didn't help matters. But, you know, he, I think even, you know, the you know the Auburn recruiting people, if they're honest, um, you know, about the situation, they'll all tell you that, you know, Marlon Davidson is not considered a lock to Auburn at this point. You know, he is very intrigued um, with the prospect of, of how many defensive players Alabama puts in the first round, uh, you know, in the NFL draft on an annual basis. You know, I'm not trying to get anybody's hopes up. Um, but, but right now, I mean, I think out when he was still at Carver High School, um, and there is still an outside possibility that he moves back to Carver in August um, to play yeah. his senior year of football. If, if that happens, then then it's time to, uh, you know, get the, the hope hat back on from an Alabama standpoint. Um, there, there's a real legitimate chance, um, you know, and, and again, um, I'm as big of a Kirby Smart critic as anybody that you'll find. But, you know, after what he pulled off last year with Rashawn Evans, if he pulls it off two years in a row with Marlon Davidson, I'll never say another bad word about Kirby as long as I live. <laughs> well said. Well, about his recruiting, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Well, yes. I, yeah. Good, good. Thank you. Thank you for, for uh, correcting me, Kerry. There you go. <laughs> no doubt. And, you, know, well, you have to take that with a grain of salt because some people think that uh, – uh, on the internet, they accused me of being the uh, the uh, illegitimate love child of Jeremy Pruitt. So I need to put that out there as well. 
Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Well, and, and, and William, what are what are what are some of the things? Obviously, uh, during a day, uh, you followed the, the the spring practice very closely. Uh, obviously, you, you got through just uh, talking about the defensive line being the alpha dog uh, of the football team right now, and I think that's accurate. I also think another storyline that's been encouraging, it's still going to have to play out into the fall, has been the improvement fundamentally in the spring overall of Reuben Foster. Yeah, I mean, that that was a, a situation that, you know, to be honest with you, um, before spring practice, I didn't really – think that the Reuben Foster story was going to have a happy ending. Um, right. You know, but the first scrimmage, uh, you know, that they had, you know, I guess two weeks ago on Friday uh, prior to Easter, that's the first scrimmage in two years that Reuben Foster hasn't been taken to the locker room with a sting or a concussion. Um, you know, the cowboy collar is gone. Um, he, he doesn't seem to be having, having any lingering effects, um, you know, with his neck or, or concussions. He's made it through the bulk of spring practice healthy. Um, obviously, if he's, you know, moved slightly ahead of Sean Dion Hamilton, um, you know, to stand up next to Reggie Ragland inside in that defense, he, he's had a, you know, one hell of a spring practice because Sean Dion Hamilton is a, very good football player in his own right, um, you know, knows the, the playbook, you know, from, from front cover to back cover. Um, and, again, you know, th- this is a young man that, that I don't think Alabama fans, you know, when you look at the way he came into the program with the, you know, with the late hour flip from Auburn, um, you know, the five-star status. I mean, he was a kid that was identified as an elite prospect probably in the ninth grade of his high school yes. career. You know, people were expecting, you know, monumental things from Ruben. And I think his health has had a lot to do with, um, you know, this being his third year on campus coming up, um, kind of slowing that down a little bit. But from a, a program standpoint, um, you know, he is, you know, so, so valuable um, to that program. I don't know if, you know, some of the listeners, you know, caught this or maybe, you know, you and Carrie didn't even catch it. But, you know, last year, um, you know, post-National Signing Day, um, and I think, you know, Nick said this tongue-in-cheek, but to be honest with you, it's closer to reality uh, than urban legend. But, you know, Nick singled out Reuben as, as being the best recruiter in Tuscaloosa. You know, everybody was giving Kirby a lot of kudos for, you know, um, you know, getting Rashawn Evans away from, from Auburn. Um, and, and Nick was real, you know, real quick to give Ruben credit. You know, his relationship with Rashawn and, and probably even more so Alan Evans, uh, Rashawn's dad, had a lot more to do with the family being comfortable and, you know, having somebody in Tuscaloosa that they trusted and having a pre-existing relationship with. You know, Ruben Foster should really be credited for delivering Deshaun Hand and Rashawn Evans to Alabama. And, you know, if you're a current player on the team and you can deliver a five-star prospect on an annual basis, um, this is kind of what my thoughts were, you know, if, if Ruben's, you know, neck and concussion in injuries, um, you know, shortened his career at Alabama, you know, you know, for God's sakes, Nick, get him a degree in basket weaving and make him the recruiting coordinator. I mean, the guy is the most popular player 
on that team. Uh, he's a, a local legend in Tuscaloosa. You know, everybody loves Ruben, from the coaches to the players on the team um, to, to, you know, citizens of Tuscaloosa. Can't say enough positive things about Ruben. Um, more so as a young man than a football player. I mean, he's a, he's a great story. If you go back and, you know, look at when he signed and, you know, a couple of days after National Signing Day, his senior year, it came out that, you know, his, his uh, natural father, you know, was apprehended in Florida and, and finally, you know, sent to prison, uh, you know, for opening fire with a pistol on his mother and Ruben when he was an infant. He shot them both. So God only knows what that young man's had to overcome on a personal level, um, you know, in the environment that he was raised in. I just, I just think that, you know, you talk about Jonathan Taylor, you talk about Tino Smith, and I understand, you know, Alabama got dinged. Um, you know, with some negative national publicity. And, and people say, well, you know, Nick shouldn't have taken a chance on Jonathan Taylor. You know, Reuben Foster was an at-risk kid when he came to Alabama, you know. And I think he has thrived in that structure and discipline and, you know, that ultra, you know, anal retentiveness that, that Nick manages that program with, with an iron fist. He's a perfect example of an at-risk kid that's thrived within the structure of that program. And he's one of the biggest assets in Tuscaloosa that's not a, you know, a coach. No doubt, William. And then finally, I wanted to broach the, the subject of someone that uh, everybody knows I'm excited about. And uh, and I've been impressed with Tim Williams. And, and I think you mentioned Rashawn Evans already. And obviously Dylan Lee is at the outside linebacker spot. But it's Tosh Lupoy and the impact he's already having on the program. Obviously, he played a big factor in getting Jonah Williams committed, the offensive tackle from Fulton, California, who I know you were very high on, think the five-star level talent. But I've also been impressed thus far in the scrimmages with the outside linebackers. Uh, you know, Denzel Duvall and Ryan Anderson are not scrimmaging, so a lot of guys, young guys, are getting reps. And we talked about Christian Miller. I, I think this, that position this fall is going to be much more productive. Yeah, and I think right now, Drew, if you flip the coin with the with the current players, um, it would be a you know a toss up as to you know who the most popular coach is on that staff right now uh, between Tosh and, and uh, Mel Tucker. Um, you know, he's you know in my mind, he's kind of the defensive equivalent to Mario Cristobal. You know, it's almost right. the perfect storm, the, the perfect combination of a guy. That, that is an elite recruiter. Obviously, both Mario and Tosh have, have proven their worth in that aspect. Um, but, but, you know, they both are great teachers. Um, you know, both of them are still young enough and in good enough shape where they can get out there and, and actually show their players what they're wanting out of a drill, how they want them to, you know, execute their technique, Um you know, I, 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 you know, I started, you know, following Tosh's career, you know, way back when when he stole uh, uh, Keenan Allen from from Nick at the twelfth hour, um, back in two thousand and ten or eleven, whatever it was. Um, you know, the guy has a, you know, much like Jeremy Pruitt, the guy has an innate ability. Um, no matter what type of environment you put him in, whether it's inner city Atlanta, or you know, the backwoods of the Florida Panhandle. Um, he can go in any home, 
uh, deal with any kid and their parents and, and establish a relationship, a level of trust, and convince a kid um, that what he's selling um, is the best thing going today. And I think he's brought some, you know, aspects of outside linebacker play, um, pass rush technique. Um, you know, let's not forget, I mean, Tosh is a real young man. I think he's only 33 oh, yeah. or 34 years old. Um, you know, and, and for people that, that want to, you know, see a, a little bit of a glimpse of the background that he came from, you know, go rent the movie uh, as the game stands stills. You know, he was one of the, the key players on that De La Salle team that the movie was made about. Um, you know, comes from a very structured uh, high school program. He was a great defensive end at Cal in his own right. So th- this is a guy that, you know, um, I think as you've seen over time with the, the coaching carousel, you know, every year there's two, three, you know, sometimes, you know, coaches that leave. And, uh, you know, Nick has an innate ability to, you know, kind of plug and play, um, you know, great replacements for the guys that do go on to other jobs. And I think, you know, you've seen some some areas and some situations where the the Jacks and the Sam linebackers have stood up and rushed the passer from a two-point stance. Um, you've seen a kid like a Christian Miller who is, you know, six four and a half and only 215 pounds right now. Um, he's factored in and flashed um, with, with Tosh's, you know, coaching. Um, you know, all the practices that I went to last year, I never went to a single one where if Christian Miller didn't get to the quarterback, he jumped up in the air. Um, for people that haven't seen him, his arms are as long as tree vines, and, and he's at least <laughs> batted one or two passes down at the practice that I, at practices that I've been to. Um, you know, is he going to start this year? Probably not. But he's a guy that was redshirted last year. You know, he's still a liability. Um, you know, in first and ten situations because the 215-pound weight differential. You know, he's not a guy. And Rashawn Evans probably fits into that category as well. You know, this isn't somebody that you want to line up across a 315-pound SEC offensive tackle and ask them to, you know, shoot their hands and take them on and defeat them in a run-blocking situation. But, but both Rashawn Evans and Christian Miller – can make an impact on this team in 2015 as pass rushers off the edge. And they're both guys that you're probably not going to get to the outside and, and go back and think over the last two years of, you know, the Nick Marshalls, the Johnny Manziels, you know, all of the, you know, spread quarterbacks that when the pocket collapsed on them against Alabama and they tucked the ball and ran and they were able to get the edge you know, on guys like Jeffrey Pagan and Denzel DeBall that, that aren't the greatest guys in space in the world, they're they're not going to be able to do that to guys like Denzel. I mean, uh, Rashawn Evans and Christian Miller. No, they're really not. And, William, man, we really appreciate it. you giving us 30 minutes, man. We always appreciate the knowledge and the and the uh, insight. We'll definitely be talking to you after 8A to see what your overall impressions were uh, through the entire spring. But uh, we always appreciate you joining us on BAMS Radio, man. And uh, thank you for uh, coming on with us again tonight. Hey, Drew Carey, enjoyed it, man. I appreciate it. Thank Thank you, William. William Redcliffe Parker, uh, Alabama Intel, always brings the heat. Got it again tonight. We appreciate it. 
It's uh, currently 27 minutes before the hour, and we're going to take a break for a few minutes, and then we're going to come back, and Drew and I are going to break down all the goings on recruiting and personnel-wise of Alabama basketball. But for now, join us in just a few more minutes after we take this break. You're listening to BAMS Radio, a member of the Bama Sports Radio Channel. Drew, if he wants to, 
to sign more in the late period than he thought at first. And and to start off, I think there's still a lot of optimism about the pending announcement tomorrow from Dazon England. Yes, from what I understand, Dazon will make his uh, announcement uh, at noon, either in the auditorium or in the library at Theodore High School. He's made his decision Wednesday. I feel very strongly Alabama will get good news here. Also, it's been confirmed Nick King will be visiting this weekend. Uh, the transfer from Memphis, who you've talked about, Kerry, on my radio show, and it's been, it's been out there that he was transferring from Memphis. He's 6'7", about 225. Now, he would have to sit out, obviously, but there are now four scholarships available. If you count days on Ingram, that would be three. If you count Nick King, should he commit this weekend? And I'm, I'm going to assume something, Kerry. If Nick King is making this visit, I think he's going to come to Alabama. Uh, I think that's fair. Uh, you know, he's got some other suitors, but uh, you know, I understand. They... I understand, but I just have a feeling uh, that, it, that that there's a lot of mutual interest between the two parties, um, and I think he'll probably end up committing to Alabama. Would be my guess, and then that leaves two scholarships. And you also had some insight into another uh, into another option, which would be a fifth year transfer. Yes, uh, I think there's a re- legitimate possibility that former Auburn Tiger and former Kennesaw State Owl center Willie Kawasi, who, and I'm probably butchering the last name, but he played his high school ball at Central Park Christian here in Birmingham. He's 6'10", 220. Not a totally gifted offensive guy, but a guy who can come in, Drew, and give you a couple things. He can give you five fouls. He can give you a couple of blocked shots. He can grab Rebound. a couple of rebounds. He can play some post-defense. He can give Jimmy Taylor uh, some relief when he's in foul trouble. And here's the key. If Willie Colossi signs, Drew, here's what happens. You now have two centers in him and Jimmy. You have two actual power forwards, not guys playing out of position, actual power forwards in in Kessens and Dante Hall, a promising freshman. And then if this happens, it allows guys like Shannon Hale and Riley Norris to see time at their natural position, the small forward. It does, and I do think Hell can play some stretch four. I think he just, they need to just honestly do a better job in the weight room, getting him stronger. Of course, he needs to be healthy too, but I think he just needs to also gain weight and get more, get in the weight room more. I, I am hearing Lou Deneen, the strength coach, will be retained along with Petway, but I've always said a strength coach is only as good as your head coach. So, he, the head coach sets the tone for the entire program. Hopefully the weight program will improve uh, with Avery Johnson putting more emphasis on that. Plus, if, uh, if someone like George Lynch comes onto the coaching staff, he has a background in strength and conditioning, and he could help as well uh, with player development. You know, George Lynch is a guy that I think will end up on this staff, Drew, but I'm not sure if he'll be the director of ops or if he'll be the strength coach, if, if but, you know, Dean is telling people, like you said, that he's staying, or if he'll be a bench coach. I'm not sure what Jordan's well, role will be, but I think he'll be on the on the bench somewhere. I think he'll be on the bench. I talked to Cecil Hurt yesterday about this, um, and uh, I'm going to try to put out put put the interview out tomorrow on Alabama Intel. I was going to wait until Dazon committed and then kind of have that as a, back, a piggyback. But I believe that it's very possible that Lynch is going to be either a director of player development but I think he will be on the bench. I think he will be a bench coach. He played 12 years in the NBA. 
He was on the 93 uh, North Carolina Tar Heels National Championship team under Dean Smith, and he played at Oak Hill Academy. And he also is an answer to a trivia question. He was on the first uh, – he played on the first televised high school basketball game I can ever remember when St. Anthony's of New Jersey, led by one Bobby Hurley, Terry DeHare, and Jerry Walker, beat Aaron Bain, George Lynch, and uh, Oak Hill Academy on national television. Wow. Now, an- another guy i got to ask you about because we've talked about him so many times on this show. You know him better than I do. But is there a, a possibility at this hour, Drew, that Avery Johnson has a place in the organization in some capacity for Jack Doss? <laughs> Until the staff is named, absolutely. Um, I I know Coach Doss has spoken with uh, with uh, Avery Johnson, was supposed to speak with him again. This was coming this past Monday, and obviously uh, he uh, his, he also had been in contact with Dazon Ingram's mother. So Jack Doss is a Bama guy. He'd like to move on to that level. We will see if that works out. But I do think he is in the mix with some other coaches. It's kind of like what Avery said on the game last night, Ryan Fowler. We're down the road with some coaches, and I think uh, Jack could very easily be in the mix. And that's that's really interesting. I think he would bring a whole lot to the table. And I'm told that if need be, he doesn't mind being uh, like a director of office or director of player as long as he can be on the staff. I'm, I'm told he's okay with that role. Well, if, if that, I, he really would ideally want to be on the floor. But if push came to shove, and, and obviously Avery Johnson offered Jack Doss a position at the University of Alabama, and Jack Doss could tell oil to Eskimos. But if, if Jack continues to get another interview and speak with Avery, I think the probability would be very good he could end up on the staff. I always pictured him as an on the as a bench coach, and I don't. The, the, being a high school coach to me is irrelevant. Uh, he, I've watched him coach guys and interact with players, and he could relate to college players as easily as high school. I think he would actually be a great recruiter. I know William uh, on the Alabama Intel question whether his age would deter him in recruiting. I actually don't think so. Uh, but you know, if he would, it would be awesome if he would take an off the court position as well. But given the opportunity to move up to Alabama for the right salary, and I would assume it would be a six-figure salary, yes, I think he would do that. Uh, but I think he would rather be an on-the-court coach. But it's going to have to be a significant offer and one of consequence because he uh, he has a great situation where he's uh, coaching at Johnson High School. And as you know, Kerry has a lot of talent remaining at, the, at, with, at JOJ. No, no, no question about that, including John Lynch and several others now. Here's a couple other names I want to cover with you, Drew, and you're the first person to tell me about these names, so I'll let you give the details. Uh, let's start with the possibility of hiring a current Oklahoma State, for, uh, former LSU assistant and former Mississippi State player, Butch Pierre. Yeah, you know, uh, that that could that, – I, I think that he's definitely another one that's in the mix. Uh, I, very interestingly, and, you know, sometimes you can look too much into these things, but sometimes not, and – and uh, the other day, I was followed on Twitter by one of his sons. Uh, he's got two sons, and one of them, I think Joe Pierre the uh, third, followed me on Twitter, and I thought that was very, very interesting. I even sent him a private message to find out, you know, was his father in the mix at Alabama, and uh, did not receive a response. And I've also heard today, I got a private message from someone saying that uh, a, a Baylor assistant coach that I'm not familiar with, Jerome Tang 
had uh, turned down Avery Johnson. Don't know about the truth to that, uh, but I do think that Butch Pierre would be in the mix. And I, I was I was told uh, over a week ago to watch Robert Kirby at Memphis, who's got a background as a post player. And obviously, uh, Kerry, the reason I think he could be in the mix is because of Mr. Nick King visiting and looking to transfer. Well, and the fact that uh, apparently, based on his background, Robert Kirby knows how to coach the inside players. Exactly. That's what I was saying. He's a post player. He's a developer of post players, and he was on uh, Rick Stansberry's staff at Mississippi State for a long time. Right, and he so he knows the SEC, he knows the AAU. That's kind of the two uh, initial sets to look at. <laughs> uh, he knows them both, and he knows them like like the back of his hand. Uh, kind of a wild card that I threw out, and then I noticed the uh, AL.com threw out. Maybe nothing to it at all, but uh, I wonder if there's even a, a possibility when the playoffs are over in the pros that uh, if the staff is not full at the time, that Avery will have a conversation with Roy Rogers. Well, and I threw out Roy uh, about uh, two weeks ago when, when it became evident that Avery was becoming the front runner. And I did some research because he's been with Boston. He's been with the Nets. Uh, he's now with the Washington Wizards. Uh, the longer this drags on, and, and the Wizards are obviously in the first round, their series is starting this weekend in the first, uh, best of seven. If he does not complete his staff, Cecil Hurt told me yesterday he expected it maybe to drag on no longer than a week. If it drags on further than that because of the playoffs, then I think there could be a high probability someone like Roy Rogers could be on the staff. And he's never coached collegiately. He has his first job was with the Huntsville Flight of the MBDL. I was the equipment guy. Got to know Roy, first class individual uh, from a first class family. Uh, spoke very highly of Wimp. He told me on more than one occasion, Wimp made a man out of me. He didn't tell me, he didn't beg me to come to Alabama, but he told me basically he will win with you or without you. And uh, he had seen Alabama de- develop players and do what they'd done on the, to send them to the NBA. And Roy stayed through with uh, Coach Sanderson and then through David Hobbs. And I think everybody remembers when Roy finally got over his knee issues when he was a senior. One of the one of my favorite moments of Roy's senior year, obviously that team went to the NIT and had a very good run with Brian Williams, but I'll never forget Dale Brown, but it was before Dale Brown retired and Alabama beat LSU like a drum in Coleman Coliseum, and I think Roy may have had a triple-double. I mean, he uh, he led the nation, I think, in blocks his senior year, but Roy, uh, uh, Dale Brown just walked across the court and, and grabbed Roy and said, what happened? Where did this come from? Because Roy kind of came out of nowhere and ended up being a first-round draft pick and having a, an, a, a nice NBA career and now has transitioned into the coaching profession. I'm glad you mentioned Dale Brown because it's not specifically Bama-related, although there are some brief Bama highlights. If you haven't seen the Shaq and Dale uh, ESPN good. documentary, it's outstanding. I, I, it, it's definitely definitely worth an hour of your time. No, and Dale Brown is a unique character. Uh <laughs> But I will say this, Dale Brown is very passionate and loyal. And uh, if you're a basketball, uh, you know, if you're aficionado and you're honest with yourself, you have to love Dale Brown. I mean, mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, obviously he angered some people with the way he protected Shaquille O'Neal when he was at LSU. But, again, he stood up for his players. And he's an honest guy, and he's a unique guy. He's not just a basketball coach. And I think that's what I miss about the SEC back then. You had the Wimp Sandersons. You had the Sonny Smiths. 
you had the Dale Browns. You had so many unique uh, personalities in college coaching that I think in some ways are missing today. Oh, yeah, you had Hugh Durham, you had Bob yeah, Bull. You had a of fun guys. And, you know, let me say this about – let me give you an analogy before we bring on our next caller, Drew. Uh, if it was the, the 2010s and not the 80s, and if it was football and not basketball, I'm telling you, it's ironic you're at the same school. There is a ton of left miles in Bell Brown. <laughs> yeah, you could and say that. And vice versa. I mean, yeah, you know, the, guy that, the players love him. They run through a wall for him. He's a little bit off. He says crazy things. I remember when Mark Godfrey and Jim Farmer, those guys were seniors at Alabama, and Derek McKee was uh, a junior. And Alabama was playing in the SEC tournament in Atlanta, which they went on to win the regular season in the tournament. Dale Brown made a vow in Atlanta that week that he would not sleep until LSU lost. And they got to the finals, <laughs> and it was Sunday, and Alabama was playing LSU. And the poor guy, he had to sit up in like four days because he made this vow to his players. <laughs> he was just really a, a piece of work. But I tell you, what, speaking of pieces of work, uh, one of the uh, one of the icons of Alabama football history. Everybody that's played from the '60s to now knows who he is. Uh, I've been on his show. Drew's been on his show. He was a, a manager in '78 and '79, and still proudly sports that national championship ring. The pride of Greenville, Alabama, joins us now on the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline. Colin, Big C. McGuire. What's going on, big man? I need you for publicity. I like Thank you for the intro. That was a nice introduction there. How y'all doing tonight? Good, Big C, man. How you doing, bud? I'm doing all right, Drew. Um, and you are, too, I guess, Kerry. And then you all something I called earlier, and I was on hold. I guess, was that William Barger y'all were talking to? Yes, it was. What did he say about Marlon Davidson? Because right when he was making a point of him moving back to Greenville, he said it was, you know, he had a positive vibes with Alabama since he moved back here, and then it just cut out because he moved in, had to move back because his mama died. What did he say about? I know he's going. Over, I know I heard he said he's going over to Auburn for a day game, which, is, as we know, he's got a brother that's on the coaching staff over there now. What What else did he say about Marlon Davidson tonight? Well, well, Big C, he just made a point that, you know, it was a, it, it wasn't in Alabama's favor at that at that time that he moved back to Greenville. Uh, it was, mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't it doesn't help that he, they obviously hired Kenneth Carter uh, because he had a lot of pro Alabama influences along with Mac Wilson and some other folks around him at Carver Montgomery. He did say that the proof would be in the pudding come the fall because there is a, a some rumors going on, or, and you may have heard more being in the middle of the community, but. Uh, he said that there, and I've heard the same thing that there's a chance he could move back to Carver uh, for the fall and play his senior year there with Mac. But as of right now, he's at Greenville, and he just said that that Kirby Smart has done a very good job overall recruiting Marlin and giving Alabama a distinct chance at signing him. But they would have a better shot if he uh, came back to Carver. I got you. That's interesting. And I understand his point there, uh, but. Um, uh, what do y'all think about a day Saturday? What's the weather forecast going to be? Because I heard it might rain during the game. You know, it's funny you bring that up because uh, just got a message on Facebook with some with some bad news. Uh, Big Heads Barbecue did a four and a half hour drive, and the very high probability of rain would not be serving at the Bams tent this weekend. I'm crushed. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, there is a. Uh, 
high possibility of rain, big C, 80 to 100 percent. Uh, a lot of people are saying that it won't start till the till the fourth quarter, but that it's going to start at some point. Uh, if the skies are overcast, I think it will affect attendance. I do not anticipate 100,000 people there because of the weather forecast, and I understand that. Uh, I'm not totally thrilled with whether they're doing the TV, although I'm going to be there. It don't affect me. But for those of you in the central time zone, uh, you'll need to set your DVRs for the SEC Network for 5 p.m. because that's when they're going to show the whole game. Uh, what they're going to do from basically 1 to 5 is jump around to different spring games in the conference and do cut-ins, which that's just the way the SEC Network wants to do it, whatever. Uh, but Alabama's will be broadcasting its entirety from 5 to 7 on the SEC Network this, uh, this coming Saturday night. Regarding the teams, Big C, we went over the rosters a, a good bit the first 30 minutes, but... Uh, my biggest takeaway, and I know it doesn't mean anything until the Wisconsin game, but my biggest takeaway was that uh, Jacob Coker will indeed be running with the ones at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so who else is running with him on the one on the ones team? Is it Bateman or is it Cornwell? So that Cornwell, uh, it's, uh, Alec Morris. That's right. I was looking at AL dot com a few minutes ago, and then I remember that. So. Uh, did you know the he'll get the majority of the reps, and he'll get a chance to show what he can do uh, with you know with people like Rob Foster and Chris Black. Now the uh, the white team that he's on didn't get all the good receivers, but uh, they got most of them. Uh, so he'll uh, he'll be able to show what he can do. And then David Cornwell will be going against the first defense as David Cornwell quarterbacks the red. He'll run the second offense. Uh, they both Drew and I went to a scrimmage this past week. And they, they both played. I, I didn't think either one of them stood out. Uh, but I, I honestly think it, it's safe to say right now, Drew, that they don't have any idea who the quarterback's going to be. Correct. Yeah. Right. That's, what, that's what I've heard to several people other than y'all uh, that was at the scrimmage. Uh, and there might even be somebody who's not even there yet. We're not sure what's going to happen when the, when the semester's over. There may be a one-year transfer coming in, we're not sure. We're going to have to monitor that situation. Yeah, I, no doubt about it. I, they, they, see, they don't have a clue right now who the quarterback is. Uh, I will share one thing that I did here last night, and uh, is that uh, Nick Saban believes he's got five guys. He's going to play all five. And in his words, he's probably going to get <laughs> uh, – well, I, I guess the best term for him, what, what he used was, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just be – I, he said, "I'm just I'm going to be just eviscerated." He said, "I'm going to be criticized from one end to the other because they're not there's no separation and there's no true starter." So mm-hmm. we will see. Well, I mean, I understand him making a comment in it, but he should. You know, the fans got to understand. I mean, he knows what he's doing, and then there's no separation. He's just going to have to play everybody, give them a fair chance to maybe hopefully one of them will rise to the top. Can you say anything about the one-year transfer? Can you say or do you know anything about that, Gary? Well, uh, there's a lot of Alabama fans that, that think that it's going to be Braxton Miller, the quarterback from Ohio State. Florida State's after him, too. Or basically, that's the two he's pretty much narrowed it down to. So he could end up in Tallahassee. He could end up in Tuscaloosa. Uh, nobody seems to think he's going to stay at Ohio State, though, we see. Well, let me ask Can I ask you all this? All right, since you mentioned his name. What is the status of his shoulder? Because I heard that might be 
I read somewhere that his shoulder might not be back as healed up as properly as they thought it should be. Do y'all know anything about that? He will be fine, BC. Okay, well, maybe we'll get him. I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> We've been kind of advised to kind of, you know, not – push it too hard, even on a show like this with under 5,000 listeners, we've, we've been kind of advised to kind of let it lay low and let it work out, but that there is a chance that it may work out. So I think uh, we'll know something in the next three to five weeks. We'll know something in two weeks, Big C, and I'll just use Avery Johnson's mantra at his press conference, buckle up. <laughs> That's a good hint for you, Big C. I like that. Buckle up. I like that. Sounds encouraging anyway, but we'll just wait and see. And like you said, you don't want to get people's hopes up so high if they don't come, they won't be mad. So understand how that works. So, but, um, yeah, I was looking at the stir-string defense. Uh, what do y'all, uh, now I heard that Andy Jackson looked pretty good at safety the other day. He does, Big C. He's going to stay there. Um, they moved Deontay Thompson to wide receiver, pardon me, wide receiver, and and Eddie has looked good the last week. Uh, I think he and Gino uh, – now, Gino will be suspended. I think that's a worst-kept secret in in, in uh, the state. But he <laughs> but he and G- Gino and Eddie, I think, have provided some juice to the secondary, along with Mel Tucker. Uh, I think once Gino is back in the good graces of the coaching staff, I would not be surprised if he plays the nickel role, or it could be Ronnie Harrison. But it's just going to depend on how quickly Ronnie Harrison matures. But I do, I just think right now, uh, if you had to push, come to shove, uh, I think the top four safeties, without a doubt, are Ronnie Harrison, Mo Smith, Geno, and, and obviously, uh, and obviously Eddie. And I think, to be honest, going into the spring, a lot of people were terrified because they lost the top three safeties, but. I think with Mel Tucker's coaching and the development, Anthony Averett at corner and Marlon Humphrey improving and obviously Tony Brown, and you know what you've got with Cyrus Jones. I think the secondary has a chance, optimistic. You know, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself, but I think uh, they've got a chance to be a, a strength. And if so, I think you already know uh, how good the front seven is. I think the defense could be very, very, very good. Gosh, I hope that's right. And what's the deal with Brand- Bradley Sylvie? Is he sort of still in the doghouse, or is he still low? No, he's, he's in, I, I should have mentioned him. Uh, he, he may very well start. I mean, I don't really – I think – but I think if they feel really good about corner, and I'll let Kerry comment on this, but I think they feel really good about it to let Eddie move inside and, uh, with the development of Averett, the, the steadiness of Sill and then the improvement of Tony Brown, and then obviously getting Cyrus back in the fall. Yeah, I wow. Saturday, the guys that got most of the reps this past Saturday, Big C, uh, the starting corners were Bradley Sylvie and Tony Brown. Of course, we know Cyrus Jones is hurting, but he'll be back in the fall. And the backup corners Saturday, and, and I expect they will be this week as well due to the rosters that came out today, the backup corners were uh, Marlon Humphrey and uh, Anthony Averitt. Uh, Averitt's kind of flying under the radar, but uh, as Drew discovered a few weeks ago, he's actually one of the fastest guys on the team, him and Rob Foster. That is correct. What a lot of people forget, Big C, is that Anthony Averett was a state champion track athlete in New Jersey. Uh, he's in his third year in the program. He'll be a red shirt sophomore. He's had to wait his turn. He did spend a day in the spring at wide receiver, 
but I think he's a good athlete. And when Nick Saban says you've had a, a really good spring, then, you know, that, that's a really good sign. Yep. That's right. Well, yeah. big man, I don't know what else to ask you, but okay, I'll be calling you in the morning, though. All right. Look forward to it. And uh, i tell you what, while we got you on here, Big C, uh, why don't you tell them the different ways that they can follow your stuff? Uh, you can talk about the radio and also the uh, website and the Facebook. Okay. Um, I'm at jockjive.com for my radio show, and you can listen to it live between 7 and 8 at www.jockjive.com. Also, uh, and then after... Uh, I'm going to have to explain this later, but also, you can go to the archive, but you don't have to subscribe to it, but it's a real high price of 20 bucks a year, which breaks down to $1.66 a month, which breaks down to 55 cents a day, which that would be like buying a Coca-Cola out of a Coke machine every day. So uh, it's very affordable, but you'll be able to listen to everything that's on archive after 8 o'clock, but you listen to it live at www.jockjive.com, 7 to 8 a.m. Central Time. will be able to hear you on there tomorrow. And uh, and also hear the the ones that's been um, archived with you and Drew, uh, but they got to subscribe to that. But I also have a Facebook page called Talking Bama with Big C, and I had some things going on, but I've been putting some stuff on there like X-Players birthdays and doing some trivia I might even write an article tomorrow on my Facebook page about A-Day Memories. Uh, I wrote the local newspaper. I write an article there. It's the Greenville Standard. I don't know if you can get it on the uh, web, on the Internet or not, but just Google up the Greenville Standard. And um, I did an article the first A-Day game I ever attended, which would be 45 years ago this week, when I had the start wow. of the city and all that and that. Uh, met Coach Bryant for the first time at Memorial Coliseum, and then eight years later, I was I was working for him. It's just pretty wild how things can turn out. But anyway, that's what we got going there, and I uh, hope y'all can listen to uh, tomorrow between seven and eight o'clock, and uh, and then join the sign up for the premium channel later on for twenty dollars a year, and also go to Talking Bama the Big C Facebook page and like us. Let everybody else know about it, but that's what we got going on, and I thank y'all for your time. And I'll be talking to you tomorrow, and I'll be talking to y'all next week. All right, Thanks, DC, man. we'll holler at you tomorrow, buddy. You. All right, roll tide. Right, roll tide. Bye bye. Another another piece of good news. Uh, I'm so I'm still down about the no barbecue from Big Head Saturday the bounce tent, but there is some good news. Uh, in about two minutes, Thomas be watching for a 205 cell number. We are going to be hearing from Ronnie Orr. That is official. And Rodney will be able to tell us uh, exactly what went on tonight at the Saban press conference. Apparently, the coach is not too happy with media members asking players about other players. We've been doing it for years now, the, the whole eight years he's been there, but apparently he has now decided that, that he's ticked off about that. It's probably to do with quarterbacks, but in about another minute or so, Rodney's going to call us and we'll bring him on and get that, that scoop from him. Uh, Drew, are you going to be at A-Day? Yes, I will be. I- I uh, should be in the press box uh, working for 97.7 The Zone, so look forward to that. And, uh, and if it's going to have some bad weather, uh, it's a good thing. <laughs> and while we wait on Rodney, I understand you had a chance this past Saturday to meet a, uh, a friend of this show and one of our former callers. Yes, absolutely. It took, you know, it seemed like it was never going to happen. There was always uh, something that came up. But finally, I uh, got to sit uh, at the scrimmage with, 
the legendary Gina Harris, who, uh, and I should say Gina Anderson Harris, uh, the mother of one Blake Barnett. I also met Blake's girlfriend, Kira Black, very, very nice young lady from Atlanta, and uh, the ste- and his stepfather, who I, you and Car- Carrie, you and I met uh, with the Lance Barnett last year for Texas A&M. So uh, enjoyed sitting with them on the 30-yard line, got a little sun. Uh, sat with a, a good friend of mine, Jamie Barnes, as well, and another good friend, Brian Ray, and we had a lot of nice uh, conversation. And it was fun to kind of watch the scrimmage and, and see a parent's reaction. She was getting very excited, as might be expected, and she's uh, very anxious to see Blake perform at A-Day. And she's all about, what, five feet? Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, how's she liking living in Florida? Oh, she's loving it. She's loving it. She's living. She lives at a marina on the water. So uh, she's uh, now. She did. She did say the weather's been a little crazy, <laughs> and it was a little crazy on her uh, coming. You know, coming down last week, and she uh, actually texted me today. She was on her way to Tuscaloosa today, and I wanted to know about the TV coverage of the game. And I had to double check it. I thought it was on tape delay, but I had to double check it. You can watch it live online at SEC Plus. But if you want to watch it on television, as Kerry has already reported, it's going to be on the SEC Network at 5 o'clock. And uh, that's how it's Shannon Spake and Greg McElroy uh, will do the honors. Yeah, I saw where Greg was already there today and actually attended practice. And uh, uh, so bad, you know, basically what I'm out to, I guess, a walkthrough. But uh, going to be a lot to uh, – to look at a day, and uh, one of the people who will be sitting in the press box with this Saturday is now joining us on the Big Heads Barbecue Hotline. Founder, owner, general manager, uh, chief cook and bottle washer.com. <laughs> your friend and mine, Rodney Orr. Rodney, thank you for joining us here on Bams Radio. I understand uh, Nick Slavin gave y'all some directives tonight about uh, asking players for other players. <laughs> Yes. Um, can can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, we got you, Rodney. You got me well okay. You hear me well? Yeah, he did yeah. go on a little bit of a rant about asking players about other. I mean, asking about other uh, asking players about other players. Um, wasn't too bad <laughs> though. Um, you know, he did make some interesting comments. I thought a couple of interesting comments. Nothing that were necessarily surprising, but he was talking about the receivers and he said. Uh, you know, they were really impressed with some of those guys' ability, and um, especially the ones, I think, that are going to be on the white team, which is the first team in the 8A yeah. game. And he said that uh, all the guys on the white would be the first unit, basically, except for the quarterback, which he said we really don't have a first-team quarterback. So I thought that was a you know, pretty interesting comment. And I also thought that he was asked about using the Ohio State game as motivation for the defensive front in terms of motivating them to stop the run because Ohio State had so much success running the ball. And he said something that was actually a debate on TiderInsider.com about this last week um, when a poster said that he didn't think Ohio State really ran the ball that well. They just had a few big plays. Well, Nick Saban agreed with him tonight, basically saying they, you know, Alabama played really good run defense against Ohio State with the exception of a few plays, which they did. 
the 85-yard run, the 50, what, 54-yard run, 55-yard run, whatever it was. Yes. And then, you know, they had some quarterback scrambles that added to the numbers. So um, he was just pointing out that he thought the, the defensive front rate you know, played well in that game where they played well against the, the run. So those were a couple of things that kind of highlighted the uh, the press conference, I thought. Nice. Well, right. what about – Regarding the, the part about not asking players but other, other players, was that specifically – did that come up because of the quarterback situation or just in general? No, uh, the, the question was about running uh, – <laughs> The question was about running more no huddle this uh, this spring. He, uh, the 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 questioner asked uh, Coach Saban. He said that uh, he, he led into his question by saying several of the players had said they had been more, running more no huddle this spring, and then it kind of led into Coach Saban saying, "Well, I don't like you know you guys asking players about other players." Uh, and then he addressed the the no huddle thing by saying, "We really haven't." You know, we ran more no huddle last year. We ran no huddle all last year, so doing it this spring is not really or shouldn't be a surprise. He said we've really all we've tried to do is just try to tweak what we're doing to make it uh, more efficient. And uh, that's how he kind of addressed that. Well, no doubt, Rodney. And what 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 did he seem? Obviously, you can kind of gauge his mood at times. What was his? Uh, did he seem pleased with the last workout before a day? You know, he really didn't. I don't recall him even mentioning, you know, today's practice that much about, uh, you know, how he felt it went. So um, really couldn't. But he, you know, he seemed like he was, you know, typical mood. He was not, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I know some people might think that, but no, he was fine. He he he, he was pretty good. I thought. No doubt. And what uh, what other areas of the football team that were specifically brought up? Obviously, uh, there's been some uh, consternation about the quarterback spot. Were there any other positions specifically uh, mentioned? Uh, he was just talking about there have several players that will be out for the game, you know, that have missed a lot right, of spring injury practice. Situation. Injuries and you know those who have left the program obviously or for whatever whether it be you know Tyron Jones and Jonathan Taylor though he didn't mention their names uh, or, or then he mentioned several of the guys who had been injured and he did make a comment about Ashawn Robinson saying that if it were a real game he could probably play on Saturday but they're not going to risk that they're going to protect mm-hmm. him and be very careful with him you know obviously there are several players. You know, and I don't remember all of them off the top of my head, but Bo Scarborough, Ryan Anderson, uh, you know, Cameron Sims obviously is out and out for next season. Um, you know, and the Denzel Duvall, Cyrus Jones. I think there were like eight total. Even mentioned uh, Kerry. You hit all of them, I think, Rodney. I think you hit them all, but Jonathan Allen. So you, you did a pretty good well, job. Jonathan Allen, but I, I didn't. I didn't get to your favorite, Kerry, which is Buddy Pell. Oh, he's not playing. <laughs> He, 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 oh, he said wow. Buddy Pell would not play in the game. Well, I'll be dang. Oh, well. He said Hootie Jones is questionable with an ankle. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's information we need to know. Uh, well, uh, Rodney, just changing gears just a tiny second. We'll get back to football in a minute. But uh, 
I have seen on your site more interest in the last four days in Alabama basketball than I've seen since Scott and Elite Eight back in 03. Uh, have you noticed that too? And uh, what's been your general assessment of the first uh, week or so on the job with Avery Johnson? Um, well, uh, I, I would say this, and I may be wrong. I don't really remember the – I mean, I remember the Elite Eight, but I don't really remember what the – you know, I know the conversation was certainly, uh, you know, very strong back then. You know, everyone was excited, obviously, farthest that Alabama had ever, you know, advanced in the NCAA tournament, so there was a lot of excitement. But it seems like to me through, after, you know, the dismissal of Grant and till now – the hiring of Avery Johnson and what have you. Now that the announcement coming tomorrow morning with the player out of Theodora Ingram, um, yes. I think it's been probably the greatest amount of conversation um, that I can recall in terms of basketball. I mean, it's just been unbelievable uh, the conversation, you know, on Tider and Cider. I, I may be wrong, Kerry. You probably track it better than I do, but. It's been a lot of excitement, a lot of enthusiasm. A lot of people have a ton of of interest and, you know, are excited about, you know, the passion, the energy, and the confidence that, uh, you know, Avery Johnson uh, has and is is already brought to the program. And, you know, he's made several, um, I guess, radio appearances and maybe even TV appearances and what have you promoting the program and, um, so Bruce Pearl's not the only basketball coach in the state now that is, uh, you know, on the uh, that, that can market the pro his program. No doubt about that, Rodney. I, I completely agree. It's been probably I, I I and I was of course front and center for the Mark Gottfried hire. I think this is probably even there's been even more excitement. Obviously, probably due to Avery's uh, ESPN and NBA pedigree. Uh, that's got to help as well, but uh, he's still got to fill out his coaching staff. Uh, talking to Cecil Hurt yesterday, it sounds like that's still going to take a few days, but uh, those pieces should be put in place. But, uh, but you, you mentioned Dazon Ingram, uh, getting him tomorrow, and I think Alabama has a very good chance would be big. Yeah, I think it would certainly uh, be a big coup very early on for uh, for Avery Johnson. I think it certainly get the fans extremely excited. They're you know, they're glad to have Avery Johnson here, but they're also anxious to get, you know, a top-notch staff, get some coaches in here and, you know, see who he can bring in in that regard. And also, you know, how's he going to do in recruiting uh, up front initially? And I think that would certainly get him off to a, a fantastic start start in that regard. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I think he announces, what, at 1030 in the morning? Well, I've heard anywhere from there or noon, Rodney. I've seen two reports. So we will see. It's going to be around that time frame, either in the auditorium or in the school library, uh, reading Ben Thomas, who has been on top of that for AL.com. Dazon will make it. And he supposedly made his decision last night. To my knowledge, he still doesn't have a written offer from Kentucky, so Alabama should feel pretty good. Well, like I said, that's positive. It seems like Kentucky was the team that, you know, kind of created the delay or was partially responsible for it when he got the call from Calipari. But, um, you know, we'll see. Um, I think, you know, with his original commitment to Alabama, and I know that he's supposedly very close to, uh, you know, Antoine Petway and 
that way now staying on the staff here could be very helpful for uh, you know Alabama's chances. Rodney, last hour we had uh, William Redfish Barger on, and we talked about the fact that uh, Mac Wilson will be taking uh, the ACC Saturday, and that Marlon Davidson will be uh, on campus at Auburn for their A day game. What we didn't do though was we didn't really touch on some of the big names that are going to be in Tuscaloosa Saturday for Alabama's A day. Specifically, with the class of 2016, who are some of the names that have confirmed that they'll be in town Saturday? Well, to be honest with you, uh, you know, I've checked on some of that. I've, I've had to work on some of that this week, but also, um, you know, Lee Richards, who does a great job for us, for me, he's handled most of that, as I've had to handle some, you know, obviously some other things, but, um, you know, some of the ones that I've kind of come across, Rashard Lawrence, a defensive lineman from Louisiana, who's a top-notch recruit. He's, he's told us he'll be there. Um, you know, I think uh, Jeffrey Simmons, who I think Alabama likes a lot, and he really likes Alabama a lot, for Bacon, Knoxville County, Mississippi. And now before everyone, you know, jumps off the boat on that, thinking he's from Mississippi and there's no chance, he, he's got a unique story. He's not originally from Mississippi. He's, he's a native of Louisiana, and he grew up really liking LSU and Alabama. So I don't think he's one of those natural ties to, to, the, to the Mississippi schools like some others have been. Uh, he's coming. I'll give you a little piece of information here that probably a lot of people don't know, and I, I don't think, maybe somebody's reported it, but uh, I think that they're going to slip, that Benito Jones is going to, uh, he's expected to show up. Um, he was originally committed to Alabama, changed to Ole Miss. I think Alabama's still strongly in the mix. Of course, Benito Jones is from Waynesboro, Mississippi, a, a top-notch defensive lineman. So keep an eye on that. Uh, that's three really good players right there, and there's a ton more that, are, that, that I know that we've talked to and that are, said they're coming. Devin, uh, the running back out of Louisiana, Devin White, uh, I think he's coming. He's told us he's coming. Um, you know, a lot of the commitments current commitments have told us that they're coming as well as some of the guys who signed with Alabama. I know Calvin Ridley is going to be here, for example, and I'm sure most of the other guys that signed with Alabama in that class are going to be here as well. So, you know, it's a big group. I wish I could go into greater detail with you guys on that. I haven't personally, for us, been handling that right now. I've just kind of been, you know, checking in on some of the names as Lee's been putting it all together. Yeah, well, Rodney, I can tell you, I can update you, too. I uh, just read a quote from the young man, and I know uh, he got offered today, and I think some, some people yeah. in short order should be on commitment watch with him, but Errol Thompson of Florence will be there as well. Yeah, and he's a good-looking player. He's very aggressive, uh, hard-hitting guy. Uh, he's really a good kid, too. I've had an opportunity to talk to him a few times. and I, You know, he's a really strong hitter. I like his aggressive speed to the ball. I think possibly, and this I'm not trying to draw a negative here, but I think if there was one thing that maybe you'd like for him to be a little bit taller, um, but, uh, you know, he's a football player. No doubt about it, Rodney. And then, obviously, uh, Al, it's been a source of frustration for Alabama fans because he's been inconsistent in his career, but uh, as far as kickers, but it looks like Tucker McCann will visit, and Alabama's very interested in the Illinois kicker. 
Yeah, and, you know, Alabama's had some success signing kickers, uh, both punters and kickers, and, you know, I still think Adam Griffith's going to pan out to live out, live up to his, uh, you know, high school accolades, but uh, Tucker McCann's a really top-notch kicker as well. I've talked to his high school coach about him and about his interest in Alabama, and I know it's really, really strong, and, you know, that, that may be one to keep an eye on, too, in terms of, you yeah, know, no- what happened Saturday. And with Calvin Ridley coming from the Miami area with Sean Burgess Becker, obviously that well, that opens the door for Darnell Solomon to come up as well. And I know Solomon, someone Mario Cristobal is very high on. Yeah, and uh, I know that he's a standout wide receiver. He said many times, I think here recently, that Alabama's right there at the top of his list. I think probably the favorite. Uh, so he's a guy to kind of keep an eye on. I, I don't know if he'd pull the trigger this early, but. You know, I know that he's certainly a guy that's uh, really high on the board. And uh, also, I did actually um, text with uh, Calvin Ridley's coach today. He said that the younger brother, Calvin, is not coming, by the way. So, um, Calvin Ridley will not come. I don't know if that's because he's taking the ACT or anything like that, but he's not going to come. Right. Rod, I wanted to get your opinion uh, as far as from, from a, uh, a media point of view and also from a fan point of view. Obviously, everybody's going to be watching the quarterbacks, uh, you know, <laughs> big time. But other than quarterbacks, Saturday, what other position groups do you think fans and, and media folks like ourselves should be concentrating on during A-Day? Well, I, I think, you know, if you want to look at it by – you know, sides of the ball on the offensive side. I would, you know, you mentioned quarterbacks, but I, I mean, I think just about everything on the offensive side. You've got, you know, three new offensive linemen with the first group. You've got a whole new core of wide receivers. Uh, you know, and and I, I don't think people should really overreact to the passing games that they see come Saturday. Yes. And I'll tell you why. Obviously, they've been working five quarterbacks. That's a lot of different guys. But not only that. You know, this is a new core of wide receivers, too, so they're not necessarily going to be in sync or on the same page yet. So it's not that I'm expecting something horrible, but I do think that they won't be anywhere near what they'll be, you know, come the first game. Also, I would say, Kerry, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, um, I'm not sure how much those front guys will play, but, you know, Ruben Foster is a guy that's really made a lot of progress this spring. I would say keep a couple of, keep your eyes on a couple of other a couple other linebackers too. Uh, but besides the the the, the Rashawn Evans, Tim Williams, those guys, I would say two that I'd really kind of keep an eye on are Sean Dion Hamilton and Keith Holcomb. Uh, I think those two guys are you know they're going to be lend some depth inside. And, you know I know Sean Dion Hamilton still is obviously competing for that job. So you know you look at those two guys though. Sean Dion and uh, Keith Holcomb, I think the the two really going to be interesting guys to watch. I think Eddie Jackson made a great uh, adjustment to playing safety. I think a lot of people really like him and think he could be really good at that position. Um, You know, the corners, Cyrus Jones is out. going to have several young corners playing, Marlon Humphreys, Tony Brown, uh, Bradley Sylvie, uh, Anthony Averett, Coach... uh, David says he's made a lot of uh, they moved him back from you know they, they experimented him with him at wide receiver for a while and this spring since they moved him back really you know kind of turned it up a notch he's had a good spring 
So I think it's worthwhile to, you know, kind of keep an eye on those guys, too. And I understand Ronnie Harrison just had a, you know, really fantastic spring, the true freshman from uh, Tallahassee that's working at uh, State. Yeah, no doubt, Rodney, he really has. And it, 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 I think they, 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 and they have they've had a handful of defensive starters out in black jerseys. It's given a lot of young guys a chance to develop and mature. And it's really, I think, helped. The defensive line was already going to be a deep area anyway, but I think it's helped them uh, develop even more depth. And it, it should be as good a line, defensive line as the Sabans ever had. That's saying something when they had to dismiss Taylor before he ever played in a scrimmage. Yeah, I think it's got a chance to be a really good defensive line. Uh, obviously, I think it's got a you know, it should be, in my opinion, could be, should be his best defensive line in terms of talent anyway. I think you got, you know, you got Jaron Reed, you got Ashawn Robinson, you got DJ Petway, you got Jonathan Allen, you got Deshaun Hand, who's apparently had a really good spring too. He's starting to emerge. Josh Frazier, the guy I know there's a lot of, has a lot of potential. Uh, you know, Darren Lake's still around, so you've got some numbers, you've got talent, you've got some size, you've got some quickness, you've got athleticism. I, I think they've got a really good defensive front. When you look at it, maybe, you know, as a group, the deepest uh, in terms of numbers and quality they've had. Well, Rodney, we want to thank you for your time as always. Uh, anyone listening can follow Rodney's uh, stuff at www.tylerinsider.com. And also, if you have access to it on your cable, uh, TITV every Tuesday night, also very fun. But thank you so much for your time, Rodney, and uh, you have a good night, brother. Hey, Terry, I'd also like to say real quickly, they can go to tylerinsider.com on the front page. They can watch a lot of those videos for free. They don't have to join. Um, but so you can watch those videos, Titers Hunter TV, and practice videos, practice interviews. They're, they're there for free. All right. Well, we appreciate it, Rodney. That's uh, Rodney Orr, the uh, publisher of TitlerInsider.com. Before we close out tonight, I wanted to touch on what went on tonight in Tuscaloosa, uh, an event that I turned down a free meal at because I'm so dedicated to BAMS Radio. But uh, <laughs> they held the uh, basketball banquet for this past season for the University of Alabama. Uh, I know at least one media member covered it thinking Anthony Grant was going to be there. That was never going to happen. But uh, Reggie Witherspoon did make a talk on, on, on behalf of the prior coaching staff, which I understand from Cecil Hurst tweet was very classy. But here are some of the award winners before we close out tonight. They were passed out just a few minutes ago at tonight's UA basketball banquet. Most improved player, uh, sophomore center Jimmy Taylor, averaged 5.5 points and uh, five rebounds and almost two blocks a game. The Hustle Award, uh, Retina Bassahan, totally agree. Outstanding freshman, uh, Riley Norris, averaged five a game uh, and, and played hard. Uh, outstanding offensive player, Levi Randolph, very well-deserved, averaged 15 and a half a game. And outstanding defensive player, uh, senior Rodney Cooper, who, uh, who played stretch four most of the time. He averaged 11 points and four rebounds. So, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> They did have a banquet tonight, and it was a success. And uh, congratulations to uh, all those young men for their awards. Uh, any any thoughts on that, Drew? Uh, you know, I just want to thank Coach Witherspoon for uh, doing a yeoman's duty. I mean, that's always tough when you've been let go by pre by you know by the uh, uh, by the athletic director and another staff has come in. Uh, you, but he handled it uh, as Cecil tweeted with grace, and uh, also a very interesting tweet. Sounds like. There's going to be two hats on the table for Mr. Ingram in the morning, and he's got Kentucky and Bama and 
we're going to see. And I think we uh, have a very good and very positive idea of how that's going to go. So sometime around noon tomorrow, we'll know officially where Davon Ingram or Theodore, a, a former uh, participant on this show, and hopefully we can get him back. We'll be playing his college ball. We think it's going to be Alabama. We're very positive about that. We'll see, but I, I have a good feeling. Uh, but for now, it's been another good show. Thank you to William Redfish Barger and Rodney Orr both for joining us and for our regular caller, Big C, uh, for our producer of Active Studio, Thomas Watts of Alabama Intel Magazine, for Rudy Armand of AlabamaIntel.com, uh, and 97.7 Design in Huntsville. I'm Kerry Clark, your co-host from AlabamaMag.com and Scout.com. So thank you so much again for joining us here on Bam's Radio. Good night and roll time. Roll time.